Welcome to the Middle Tech Spotlight Series, where we highlight entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem supporters that are building our startup ecosystem. Today, we're talking with Jennifer Mason, the CEO and co-founder of TitleWise. TitleWise is being built in Louisville, Kentucky, and is helping real estate title companies streamline research and processing with digital tools. And before we jump into this conversation, I just wanted to give an update about some changes coming with Middle Tech. And so we're going to move away from the weekly news updates that we've been doing for the, the first half of this season. And instead, we're going to refocus on the Spotlight Series and covering founders and the startups that they're building within this region. And so uh, we're still going to cover some news updates, but that'll likely be on a monthly cadence rather than weekly. And we're going to focus more on Kentucky news rather than kind of a broad national uh, news coverage. And so uh, we're excited to refocus on those founder interviews. That was how Middle Tech started in the first place. And we feel that that is just where our content is most impactful. Um, so we really appreciate everyone as we continue to iterate and find out how to produce the most impactful content for our audience. So you can expect that change to be made immediately going forward. Uh, on Mondays, rather than those news updates, we're now going to have the Spotlight Series uh, each Monday in that spot. Um, but we'll still continue to create social content around news updates that we feel are relevant to our audience. So um, thank you guys for continuing to support us through all this time. Again, we've been doing this for over four years and kind of the name of the game for us is continuing to improve our content and make sure that it's as impactful as it can be for this ecosystem. So uh, now that we've gotten that out of the way, uh, we wanna jump on into this conversation, but before we do so, let's get a quick word from our sponsors. Before highlighting our sponsors, we'd just like to state that the views and content shared on this platform do not necessarily reflect those of our show sponsors. Middle Tech is presented by KY Innovation, the Kentucky Cabinet for Economic Development's Office of Entrepreneurship. KY Innovation exists to support and develop Kentucky's startup ecosystem, and we are proud to be supported by an organization whose mission aligns so closely with ours. If you're a founder building in Kentucky, you need to check out the resources that KY Innovation has to offer. You can find more information by clicking the link in our show notes or going to kyinnovation.com. Middletech is sponsored by Bolt Marketing. Take your website to the next level with a website that's built to work. At Bolt Marketing, they're revolutionizing websites for small businesses that are affordable, customizable, and hassle-free. Whether you have a construction company, a boutique clothing store, or you own a hot yoga studio, they have options for you. Click the link in our show notes to explore their marketing options that can transform your marketing and grow your business. And as a personal note, Bolt Marketing built our website and they were awesome to work with throughout the entire process. We highly recommend working with. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. We are here with Jennifer Mason, who is the CEO and founder of TitleWise, which is helping real estate title companies streamline research and processing with digital tools. So Jennifer, thanks so much for taking some time to join us. Uh, we want to start by just talking kind of high level about your experience leading up to TitleWise. Uh, so tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. Yes. Before I was a tech startup CEO, I was a real estate title researcher. And so was my co-founder. We owned a small boutique title research company in Southern Indiana. It was third generation. So we had seen the company change in formats and, and size and focus, you know, over the years. For us as a two-person team, we were really interested in how do we keep integrity high, but also meet, you know, increasing demands for quick turnaround. What exactly do I need to get the closing done? Nothing more. You know, so as, as the market changed as a small boutique company, we were asking the question, how do we stay lean and mean and competitive 
without falling victim to the bloat and bust, hire and fire cycles that our corner of the real estate industry falls victim to a lot. <laughs> Talk about your experience going from a service-based industry to a product and what that transition was like for you. Yes, uh, it's so funny. having When you know the weeds, you know the process, You, it's almost like, okay, I know what's good for you. Here's your medicine and take it. Uh, the challenge to moving from services to sales has been translating what I know from my personal experience, but how does that differ when we get in a scenario outside of like my two-person boutique shop? And so finding what correlates and what needs to change and adapt, whether that's sales techniques or product innovation, it's been a lot more listening Whereas when I was the researcher and the, the title company owner, it was, here's what's good, here's what we're doing. And that shift has been both natural and in a learning process. And so give us kind of the high level elevator pitch of TitleWise. So just kind of succinctly put it for our listeners, you know, when somebody asks you, what does TitleWise do? What do you tell them? Yeah. So we work in the ecosystem of real estate transaction process. So whether it's the settlement company actually handing the process or the lenders and real estate agents driving traffic to that settlement company or the title insurance company offering the product that the, the, the transaction is often centered around, Real estate title research is one contributing factor to all the material required to get that real estate transaction actually closed. And so for us, what TitleWise focuses on are specifically the tools that the researchers engage with. In the past, it's been a lot of kind of ad hoc solutions, whether it's a yellow legal pad or post-it notes, or I like an Excel sheet, no standardization in the industry. So we decided to hyper-focus on what are the researchers doing, how are they processing their work, and what's the end product? How do we standardize worksheets, database storage, final reports in a way that is still human-centric so the researchers want to engage and it accommodates their workflows? Because we know with land records, it's county to county. And so you're going to have to have some flexibility even in the attempt to standardize that workflow. And title is not something that consumers engage with a lot, right? So, you know, when you buy a home, really you're getting, you know, title insurance and you're, you're hearing about title during the closing period, but you're not really engaging much with that process. So what are some companies that, you know, we might not be familiar with that are big players in the space that are within your ecosystem? Yeah, perfectly said. I feel like um, most homeowners and buyers, if you're refinancing, it's a good thing if you don't know it about the title research, because that means there probably wasn't a cloud or a problem that was disrupting your plans for closing. Um, so with us, while we're the, kind of the first company, I'd say, to really look at how do we automate and standardize the title research process for the researchers, there are a lot of those players in our ecosystem who are on either side. So there are the settlement companies, SoftPro, Qualia, Resware, RamQuest, who help our ideal customers actually create the HUD statements and the escrow documents, everything it takes to get to closing. On the front end, there's the land record management companies, private companies that help counties manage and make the public records accessible for research. And we fit right in the middle with research and examination. 
And so talk about kind of getting this idea off the ground. So let's let's kind of go back to the MVP of this idea. I, I always like digging into how an idea kind of first came to be. So what did your MVP look like? And let's just kind of talk through some of the dynamics of actually building out that minimal viable product. Sure. It, it sounds cliche, but it really did start in our garage. <laughs> we were talking about, we, we know our worksheets are functional. They worked well enough. We saw other title companies copying our worksheets, but it was still a handwritten process. Mm -hmm. And when we were talking about how does our company grow, the idea of hiring someone to rekey seemed so backwards. But when we went to shop for a tool designed for us, there wasn't anything available. So it kind of started at um, here in Louisville, we have a young professional association called YPAL. And I was at a YPAL cocktail happy hour and someone said, you know, like, what are you passionate about? And it's like, well, we've got this idea for streamlining, but we don't know how to build it. And someone said, I've got someone to, you know, for you to talk to. And it was a startup software company where when we had originally talked to larger, more established software firms, no one was being really good at listening. We were doing something different, and it was hard for more established firms to kind of hear what we needed and translate into something viable on a bootstrap budget with kind of a, an industry-focused initiative. With the startup approach, they really met us where we were at and custom-designed some quick solutions and that helped us build a viable product that we could launch. So I would say the garage idea happened maybe about 2017. By 2019, we had something that we could roll out to all of our clients at the title company. And by 2020, of course, the pandemic happened, that real estate boom happened, and we were able to handle all of that increase in volume without any outsourcing or new hiring. And that's where we realized that our streamlining was saving in labor cost. That gave us more time to work on title-wise and how do we scale this for other companies. In another company scenario, they could use that time to reallocate people power, to reduce redundant staffing. And so it was really exciting to see, okay, this worked with our scenario. How do we play this out for companies bigger than us or say both with in-house researchers and third party? And that was really an exciting kind of launching point of who else could benefit from the labor cost savings we saw almost right immediately. It sounds like you got a, a lot of good signals kind of early on starting the company right after, you know, getting this MVP out into the world. Uh, let's talk briefly about some of the challenges that you guys have faced as a company. I always like bringing up challenges because being an entrepreneur is just kind of finding solution after solution to different challenges you encounter. Um, so what are a few challenges you encountered and how do you overcome them? Ooh, I like this question because we're still overcoming them, right? Sure. So we, we went to market. We Well, I should say we did a soft product launch in January, working with our own local Rolodex and, and who do we know in our neighborhood that has these similar problems. So onboarding an early adopter was seemingly simple and that happened really quickly. It was when we went to scale this to other companies, because our product is fully customizable, we're ready for any county, state, country. We thought, all right, it worked for us, worked for early adopter, let's do this. What we found was that there's a lot of, lot of difference within the industry on how engaged are the real estate attorneys on the clearing of title, of getting in the weeds, 
and how many companies are needing quick solutions. So is there a one-stop shop that does the title for me? Finding title researchers is a challenge. Um, they are mostly independent. They work for companies that employ fewer than 10 people. They've got one location. And very rarely do they have LinkedIn sites and blogs. And you know, are they even attending our land title association conferences? So our ideal customer profile for the way the app worked on day one there's um, kind of a capacity question of how much time does it take to find these independents? Mm -hmm. So the challenge became, how do we make sure that we're solving enough pain points that we can move higher upstream and have a, a bigger impression and footprint on the industry more broadly? And talk about your team. You know, as you've been building out the company, how's the team evolved? Yes. So when we were bootstrapping, I say like this time last year, it was me and my co-founder, um, you know, doing all the work. When we did the local pitch competition circuit, uh, we were able to raise capital in a way that enabled us to bring on an experienced COO hmm. who helped us move the dev team in-house. So now we have three offshore, uh, I should say, yeah. So we have three offshore employees helping with development and customer success. We also brought on a head of revenue and that's allowed us to kind of play with how do founder led sales really work and understand where does that get bottlenecked once you get your lead generation kind of working. And so now we're, we've got an in-house dev team, we've got leadership on revenue and product operation, founders are doing sales. We're looking at, okay, when we start to scale, it looks like more sales reps. That's where we're heading next. And um, focusing on product ownership. And as we're balancing this, I, I, maybe it's an internal struggle of sales versus product initiatives. How do we start to get our early leadership not wearing so many hats and start to dictate like who's owning what and where do we need to plug some gaps when we can start to specialize. And I'd say that's, that's the point we're at right now. Mm. Yeah. That's a, we hear that a lot with kind of the earlier stage startups is, I mean, that's kind of all startups. You're wearing so many different hats, trying to solve so many different problems, put out so many different fires. And then eventually you get to that point where you can start being more of a leader and more of an executive where you're leading the team rather than uh, so in the weeds, trying to do things like sales and uh, product initiatives and, and things like that. Uh, but I want to go back to something you said at the beginning there. Um, you talked about doing the local pitch circuit and how that kind of helped facilitate your fundraising journey. Um, so tell us a bit about, you know, how much money you've raised as a company and uh, that that experience for you. And would love to hear your thoughts around how the local pitch competition circuit played into that for you. It was essential. I'd say before we were pitching, I spent about a year taking coffee meetings with anybody who would talk to me about like, how do you build a startup? Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was you need to talk to person X or person Y. And very often they were key players in these local resources, things, companies, or I should say like outlets like Amplify, the vote accelerator was essential because not only did we get you know, custom lessons, but every week they were bringing in fellow founders, people who had seen these pitfalls before, and then also connecting with other founders going through the struggle. When 
you're like working alone in a silo, your problems can seem like bigger than life. And when you're getting that weekly check-in with other founders, you realize this is healthy. This is the problems we're supposed to be working through. So the pitch circuit really helped us connect with, yes, capital, but I think more importantly, like human resources who helped us understand, here's the roadmap, here's what you need to succeed, and here's community that's going to help you get through it um, and not feel like you're working alone in some like dark, lonely bubble. <laughs> Before we move on from that piece, just real quick, how much did you end up raising and what, okay. what round of fundraising was it that you raised it in? Yes. So the pitch competitions helped us. So we did um, Elevate Nexus pitch competition. Their pre-seed was about 20000 The mm -hmm. Vote Accelerator was a $25,000 grant. And the Render Capital Competition was a $100,000 um, C-note investment. And that capital helped us do the soft launch. From the soft launch, we started fundraising efforts with, we started in our Rolodex, like local real estate developers, attorneys, like people who could at least understand our value props. Once we got their buy-in, we were able to get attention from angel investors like Phoebe Wood and Gil Holland, who could better amplify the the importance of what we were doing to non-real estate spaces. And once we had the angel buy-in, that's really when the VC conversation took off. Mm -hmm. And M25 out of Chicago came in as our lead. And from there, we were able to close a million dollar round. And that's where we're at today. We feel like now the real work begins. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, uh, that's such a testament to kind of the snowball effect that can happen with fundraising. You get some of those, some of that early money in through some of those initiatives, like the local pitch circuit, and then it leads into angel investing. And then it's, uh, what Evan was about to say there, just a, the community aspect of it plays such a role in it. That's it, um, yeah. Evan, yeah, Evan, I'll kick it back over to you. It sounded like you were about to ask a question when I interrupted you. Well, uh, the $1 million, you know, I think founders always wonder how much should I raise? You know, what, what's it going to go towards? How did you go about thinking about how you're going to structure that round? how much you're going to raise and where you we're going to deploy it within the business. I like this question a lot because it was an evolving thing. When we were talking to local real estate minded people, it was a 250 goal, right? No million dollars was never in the conversation. But once you get not only buy-in from investors, you're getting their input on what is possible and what your product could be. And mm. as kind of a mom and pop shop who had a garage idea, Maybe early stages, we weren't even thinking big enough. And so it was once we were having those conversations with VCs and especially our lead who helped us think about, here's what your product could do to disrupt your industry. That's when we realized that more capital, that million dollar mark wasn't a frivolous number. It was actually essential to go where we now realize we were capable of achieving. Well, that seems like a great segue into talking about the future of TitleWise. So what is that? larger vision that you guys are kind of aiming at because the startup that I'm with, we've gone through almost the exact same thing where we started as, you know, kind of this one vision. And it was a great vision. It was exciting to work on. And then you kind of work your way into a larger vision. So talk about that as, uh, as you guys have discovered it with TitleWise. Yes. So I think um, pain points is kind of this, this idea we keep coming back to. How can we keep solving either broader pain or like more severe pain? So we know what we do works well, but there's a capacity. One, consolidation is inevitable in our industry. The independents will not be independent forever. 
And so when we understand that there's a potential plateau in the market for the way our product functions today, we're paying attention to what initiatives do we need to be focusing on, what's realistic with our current runway, and what can we deliver between now and say next year or before the next fundraising round that's actually gonna move the meter, make us a presence in the industry, and show potential, not just for, of course, investors, but for the title industry so that they're building trust in our initiatives. Um, AI and ML, everybody's obsessed, everyone's excited, um, but there's some, to me, it's registering a lot, like with the way blockchain was really exciting a few years ago. And then people got into the nitty gritty of how does this actually affect the products we get? How does this affect behaviors? And so we're, we're being cautiously optimistic about how some of these new technologies can help, yes, automate, but we don't wanna remove that human element. In fact, we wanna be hyper human centric when we feel like our industry has been a little short-sighted maybe in some, we call it fast food title, like we want it quick, we want it cheap. And then the pendulum I think is swinging back to say we actually do need high quality thinkers our industry is also suffering from a talent pipeline problem. The old guard is retiring a lot faster than new talent is coming in. There's not a college degree for title research. Um, one of my favorite conversation, you know, icebreakers at conferences and things, it's like, how did you get into title? And it's always, my uncle worked in it, or I didn't know what a mortgage was, but I took this job in college. And so one that makes our current ICP difficult to find, because there's not a, a main channel that they all move through. And two, we know that we need to be enhancing human decision-making with strategically placed human QA points along the way. So yes, autofill is great. AI reading documents is awesome. But if you're wanting the tech to say, use state statutes and insurance underwriter guidelines to tell your researcher this federal judgment applies or does not, when the AI is like still making up answers and being creative, we know that's not a, a viable solution. So when we're looking forward, we have a gold standard of where we know the industry wants to go. Um, we've heard it described as like click button, get title. We love that mantra, but we want to make sure that we're the company that people trust to lead you there and that we're not going to rush into something that's not sustainable or that's going to blow up in your face. And we're really excited to connect with industry partners who value the work the humans do, the local knowledge that's still very important. So how do we cut out redundancy and still like empower that, that human element? And that's really where we're looking ahead. I guess one additional question, just to come end it on uh, kind of a good good note here. When we spoke on first call, you you have an interesting relationship with your co-founder. You guys are or she hasn't married, so talk about <laughs> what it's like building a company with your spouse, uh, and maybe the the benefits and the challenges that come along with that. Oh man, it's actually it's been great. I think the best parts of building something exciting with your best friend is that they never get tired. Maybe with some exceptions, I, I can wear them out, but they mostly never get tired <laughs> about talking title and talking title wise all the time. Um, sometimes that means we have to remember to catch up the team because we've been, say, like sitting on the porch and drinking wine and talking these problems out. 
sometimes I do think it means that certain knowledge gets bottlenecked with us. And so we've been trying to better understand how do we share what we know so that things don't get like stuck and always have to run through us. So there's kind of a challenge in that we, we have this unintentional protective bubble around the knowledge. Um, but the upside is besides always talking about it is that we can disagree, we can have different ideas, we can clash, but there's this like fundamental trust that is, I, I realize now as the company's going to grow and things get bigger and I don't have direct control on as much, having a partner in life in real estate <laughs> that can hear those struggles, not feel compelled to like fix everything, but someone you can always talk to and air out and they're going to understand the weeds. Um, it's, it's really something I'm super grateful for and wouldn't change for the world. I love that. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap it up here. Before we let you go, um, we always like giving guests a chance to shout out where people can learn more about them or their companies. Um, so any uh, websites, social channels that you want to plug here, uh, please do so. Sure. Yeah, it's titlewise.work. And as I mentioned, we work in the ecosystem of real estate lenders and escrow, real estate agents and settlement companies. So even if you're not a title researcher yourself, but you work with spaces that benefit from innovation here, we want to connect. And so if this is if this is reaching people in those spaces, we'd love for them to check out titlewise.work and uh, ask them some questions. We love to talk title. Awesome. Well, Jennifer, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your experience building TitleWise and best of luck to you going into the future as you chase this, uh, this larger vision. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Really, thank you. 